want to um, want to begin um, talking tonight. Uh, uh, we've uh, started a series, Uncaged Christianity, on Sunday morning, and I thought that I would speak a little bit about that on tonight, but I will on Sunday. But uh, I want to look tonight in the theme of the Holy Spirit and um, what it means to us in our life. I believe strongly that there must be, not, not, it wouldn't just be a good idea, it wouldn't just um, be a good thing, but there must be, there must be an, a new emergence, an understanding of the Holy Spirit in this last day church. It is, uh, if you understand it or not, it's your best friend. Your, your spouse can be your best friend in this natural sense, but the best friend you'll ever have in the world is the Holy Spirit. And I know that um, many people have been perhaps put off or whatever the case is, and some have shied away from it. But uh, you can't exist without it. You can't accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. You'll never be able. And we'll look at some scripture tonight and just see how much you miss out on when you don't have the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Amen. And so does that make you more saved? No. Does that make mean that you're in a better place or you're better than somebody else? No. What it means is, is that Holy Spirit operating in your life will give you direction. We'll look at some of these things tonight, but it works in us. It's for us. It's for our good. Amen? And uh, so I want to look at that tonight and uh, perhaps for the next few weeks and uh, just feel like uh, leading up to Pentecost, we need a better understanding. Uh, and I know that most of you here tonight perhaps already know that but Paul laid hands on young Timothy and he said to stir up the gift of God which is in you amen in other words he said remember the gift that is inside of you so maybe tonight it won't be new as it is to just a stirring up of the gift of God that has that he has placed upon our lives uh, the spirit is uh, you know whenever we think about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost I know um, if you're not from a church background and somebody tells you, you know, that somebody's got a ghost, if it's holy or evil, I don't want to be around it, right? And I, I'm kind of leery of people that's going around looking for ghosts all the time. Amen? Uh, they, 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 well, I just leave it at that. But the Spirit is mentioned more than 800 times in the Scriptures. But it's interesting when you look at this, how that it was translated over to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But when you look at the original, and our old English uh, uses one word, which is spirit. But the actually, uh, there are two different words that make up this original language. And uh, you'll see that in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it means a violent exalt. Ex uh, exhaustion, 
a blast of wind or a strong wind. In the New Testament, in the Greek, the word also means breath or wind or a strong breeze. So I don't know how they got the ghost. Amen. And I ain't trying to be, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, I don't know how that come in. But this is what I do know. I do know that this breath, this wind that God has given us, it's not an it, but it is the third person of the Godhead that we need it in our lives. We need that breath. Sometimes we need a, a blast of breath. Sometimes we need a strong wind. But we need that breeze to come into our lives. But we need it every day that we live. Amen. And so I, I just say that simply to say that that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to, words you use. You know, I know even some people are caught up on the difference, even though even in the King James, it's some places it refers to it as the Holy Spirit. Other places it refers to the Holy Ghost. But a lot of people are even divided over that. But, but whatever you want to say, I, I know tonight that this precious gift has been given to us that we may be able to live life to the fullest. And I want it to breathe. I want it to blow. I want it to be strong. Some days I need it to be violent, right? I, I need it to be breathing upon my life each and every day. In John chapter 14 and verse uh, 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper or comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Amen. And so the Holy Spirit has come, not in the Old Testament, it came and would come upon them. It would come and, uh, and light upon them. It would come upon them. But in the New Testament, he come to live in us, amen, to dwell in us, to abide in us. And so uh, I want to look tonight because there are many scriptures that refer to the Holy Spirit and they, they are symbolic. They, they're symbols of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it meaning, you know, and I know that I've talked about this before, but just to lay this foundation, it talks about the, the Holy Spirit being like the, the dove. But he's not a dove, but he's like unto a dove, right? It, it talks about fire. He's not a fire, but it's like unto a fire. And so we have all of these symbols, these shadows, these types that uh, represent him and uh, to us so that we can understand him. Because we, we can't understand the Holy Spirit because there's nobody like him. God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are alike, but there is nobody that has agape love. There is nobody that goes, will stick with you like the Holy Spirit will stick with you. And so he has to use shadows and types for us to get a glimpse of what he does. One of those things that he talks about the Holy Spirit being is an, the oil, right? 
he tells us that he is like an oil. The oil represents to us that, that he is the Holy Spirit will be poured upon us. That it, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it begins to work in us and, and, and begins to do things in us and through us and with us that without it we would be unable to do. The process of making olive oil was well known. Olives were allowed to get ripe and they were allowed to get turned black as they ripened. But when they were harvested, they was placed into a vat and then they began to uh, ferment. And once they fermented, then they would press out of the olive all of the oil that was inside of the olive. There was no way to preserve the olive or save the olive without uh, without. Uh, if you wanted to get the oil out, there was no way to save the olive. The olive was gone. It was crushed. It was beaten. But the oil was what was left. And that's what we have to understand today is John prayed and said, help me to decrease that you might increase. There has to be a beating away of the flesh and denial of ourselves that the Holy Spirit will come and do His will and His work within our lives. Amen. And so we look, I want to look here for a few moments tonight, and this will just be more of a Bible study. Is that all right? If it ain't, that's all I got. All right. He tells us that we will have this in treasures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, he said we have this treasure in earthen vessels, right? When, when applied to uh, the face, it would enlighten. They used this. The oil was used in Bible times. as uh, in, They didn't have no um, sunblock. They didn't have any of these, you know, tan stuff that we've got today. They would take oil and they would put it up on their face and it would preserve their face, but it would also cause their face to be radiant or it would cause it to light up. When Moses returned from his encounter with God, you remember in Exodus 29, the Bible said that his face would had such a glow and such a shine that, that they had to cover his face, Right? When Stephen preached to the Jews and the Jewish Sanhedrin council, uh, they said his face shone. And so it was bright, it was shining as the face of an angel, the scripture said. Then the ministry of Moses who brought the law down and, and we see how that he had that glow on his face. And yet Paul asked, uh, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? Amen. Paul said, won't you, you see Moses, you see the glow on his face, but won't the ministry of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, be more glorious than the law? Come on, somebody. Amen. And so he is saying that, that, that what we've seen happen to Moses when he came down and he received the law, yet he, uh, Paul steps forward and he says that this Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit will be more glorious than our life that it should be, uh, cause us to be radiant. It should cause us to be joyful. It should cause us to be happy, right? 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe the initial evidence of of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is always uh, the, the initial evidence is that of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Always. Every time in Scripture when people received the baptism, the initial evidence was they spoke with other tongues. But listen, I, I, a lot of people put, you know, a lot of initiative on that. And, 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 but I wanted to say that, but I also want to say this. I believe that the ongoing evidence of you having the Holy Spirit in your life is love. Amen. And, and if you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit living in your life, flowing through your life, you may have bad days, but you won't be ugly all the time. Amen. And so if you see somebody that says they have the Holy Spirit, you may have to ask them what kind of spirit you acting up like that. Amen. Not having love, not having concern or compassion one for another, because the Holy Spirit will cause you to have love one for another. Amen. And so if you, if you see somebody that, you know, kind of acting up, just tell them need to go get another dose. Amen. The oil stands for joy and gladness. Hebrews 1 and 9 said, God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. And so this, the Holy Spirit brings gladness. It brings happiness. It brings joy in your life. Right? And so if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you ought not look like that, uh, you know, your best friend just died every day. That, that you ought not look like you've been pulled through a knot hole back. You are joyful and you are happy. Amen. There ought to be a sign on your face. There ought to be actions of your life that exemplify that there is joy and gladness in your life. Amen. And so the disciples were happy on the day of Pentecost. The Bible said that they heard them speak in other tongues and wonderful and did the wonderful works of God. In Acts 10, 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Magnifying God means they were celebrating. They were rejoicing. They were happy about it, right? And so we need to return. We need a good dose of the Holy Spirit back in the church today where that people will be joyful, where they'll be happy, where we'll be excited about the things of God. And when we come to the house of the Lord, we'll not have a frown, but we'll have a smile because God is good and he's good all the time. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and just look like, see if it looks like they got anything. <laughs> all right. Well, we won't get nothing started. All right. It represents divine approval and blessing. In Joel 2 and 24, the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. It symbolizes healing power of the Holy Spirit. James 5 and 14 said, Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over you, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right? And so he is... the. The oil represents the healing. It isn't uh, something magical about the oil. You can use olive oil to anoint with and you can use it to cook with. There is, it isn't no magical, but it is the symbol of the Holy Spirit that is present to bring healing to that person. 
It is, as we talked the other Sunday, it is that uh, a point of contact when you release your faith and you say, we're going to anoint you with oil. It is a symbol that we believe the Holy Spirit is going to come upon your life and bring healing into your body. And so it is a symbol of the power of the Holy Spirit bringing healing. Amen. The requirement for pure olive oil uh, stands for the uh, necessity or the understanding that we have to keep ourselves pure. We have to keep ourselves pure. The Bible tells us, you know, we're asking God to do a lot of things that God said you have the power to do. Right? And he tells us to cleanse our own hands. Right? And so we are to be cleansed. We are to keep ourselves clean. In our actions and in everything that we do, we are to keep ourselves clean and pure before the Lord. And so uh, it was forbidden to try to imitate the oil. They said there is nothing that is to be used except this, uh, uh, the pure oil, which was given as a recipe. And that recipe was to be used to make this pure olive oil, right? And there was not to be a counterfeit. There was not to be one that was to, to, to try to take its place. And what I want us to understand is today that there's always going to be a counterfeit. There's always going to be somebody. Now, you know a counterfeit, what it is, right? It, you can get it cheaper, but it's not the quality. And a lot of people are wanting to cut corners. They're wanting a cheaper thing. They don't want to pay full price for it. Amen. But I want to say tonight that the Holy Spirit is worth paying full price for. Amen. The Holy Spirit working in your life is worth, amen, taking, denying yourself, crucifying your flesh, and saying, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And so as we do that, then the Holy Spirit works in us. We can, you, there are a lot, you know, and I could uh, start preaching here, so I have to be careful. But uh, there is counterfeits in the world today. There is a counterfeit gospel. There is a counterfeit spirit that is loose in the world today that tells us we don't have to, to submit to anyone or anything. We don't have to uh, sacrifice anything. We don't have to make any changes. We just got to all be happy. Amen. But I want to tell you there is a price to pay. We have to crucify ourselves, take up the cross and follow after him. But it is not a dreadful thing. It is a joyful thing. Amen. Amen. It is a joy to be able to serve the Lord. It is a joy to be able to carry the anointing, the Holy Spirit in your life, and be able to see lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the most humbling things that will ever happen in your life is whenever the Holy Spirit will use you to minister to other people. When you will allow that anointing to flow through your life and, and that sick person will be healed. 
when you, you begin to allow that anointing to flow through your life, and as a result of it, direction comes, answers come, purpose comes. Amen. When you see that, it, it isn't something to be boastful about. It's something to be humbled by that God would use little you, little me, amen, mankind to use to us as a conduit for his Holy Spirit to flow through and impact other people's lives. Amen. And so we see that it was forbidden to try to imitate it. The fact that the anointing oil was not to be poured on uh, strangers tells us that the Holy Spirit is not for the uh, unregenerated. It isn't for that person, amen, that has not come to Christ, amen. But we have to know that it is for that person that is a believer. And so as us being a believer then makes us a candidate for the Holy Spirit, amen. The anointing oil is a symbol, both the separation for service and endowment for power of service. God will give you the power to serve. There isn't nobody that can say, there isn't nothing I can do. Because if you got to want to, the anointing will come upon you to be able to do something for his kingdom. Amen. And so we are thankful for that tonight. The anointing oil uh, was on the tabernacle. There are over 60 references in the Old Testament that connects us to the anointing oil, uh, to that of the worship of the temple. The tabernacle was anointed. In the lit, uh, in, well, let's look at Exodus first, 30 and 26. It said, thou shalt anoint the tabernacle. In Leviticus 8 and 10, it said, and Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein. Right? Have you ever been in a prayer service and the old saints would just anoint everything? Amen. And you better not move or they'd anoint you twice. And so... But anoint the pews and anoint the instruments and anoint, you know, and everything was anointed. And, and so it, it's biblical principle here that, of this. But uh, also the tabernacle was set apart for a holy purpose. Amen. We don't worship a building, but we need to respect the house of God. Amen. Be respectful of this house. This building doesn't. It, it isn't something, again, it isn't something magical, but it is a, a symbol of his presence. And so we come here to meet with God corporately. We don't come here to meet with him. I mean, we, we meet him individually, but we do that on a daily basis. This isn't the only place you can meet with God, right? But we come here corporately to meet with God. And so we need to give respect and honor to the house of God. Jacob anointed the rock at Bethel where he had seen the ladder that was ascending and descending right from heaven. In Genesis 28, and he poured oil upon the top of it, and he said, this is none other than the house of God. Now, wait a minute. There ain't no building there. There isn't no house there. There isn't no structure there. But yet he says, this is the house of God. Why? Because this was his meeting place. 
This is where he went to, to meet God. And so, you know the story, how he would go back there and call it El Bethel, where he would meet God again, right? And so just the Old Testament house of God was set apart for the Lord. So we are God's temples today. Amen. Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are his dwelling place. And so we are to be anointed just like they anointed the tabernacle and the temple in the olden days. There should be an anointing. We should be anointed today with the power of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives because this building is not the tabernacle. We are the temple of God. And so as we go forward, we should go being anointed of the Holy Spirit. The oil was used in the golden candlestick found in the holy place. Now, I want us to remember that in uh, Exodus 25, you can read this, but uh, this isn't a candle. This is a lamp. And there are seven of them. Right? Help me out now. There's seven of them. And so, it speaks to us here and tells us in Exodus 27, He commanded the children of Israel that they bring pure oil olive beaten for the light and cause the lamp to burn always, right? If you've been around me any at all, you've heard me say the phrase, keep a yes on your altar and the fire of God will never go out. Amen. If you keep a yes on your altar, the fire of God will never go out in your life. But how many know that sometimes it gets pretty dim? Because oil is costly. Instead of, in Bible times, instead of them using gold and silver and keeping it for, for, uh, to barter with, they would keep oil because oil was more precious in that day than gold or silver. And God was requiring of them to bring the most precious commodity that they had to the house of God and offer it up. And he said, make sure that the fire or the lamp never goes out. You know, and again, we could go off and preach on that because so many allow it is good to be saved. It is good to have that fire of God, but you have to keep it up. Right? You have to do something to keep it burning. Amen? Is this on you stream tonight? I ain't telling that story then. All right going to tell you a story, but I'm not going to now. Hello, world. All right. But you have to work to keep the fire going. Amen. And if you, if you don't continue to pay attention to it, it's going to go out. You got to trim the wick. You've got to keep the oil in there. And, and there's times in your life that even being working in the church, you can busy yourself and the fire go out. Amen. Because sometimes you can be so busy giving, giving, giving until when you go to the well for yourself, you find yourself empty and you'd realize I don't have anything left for myself. And so I encourage you tonight, uh, I know most of you are in, on some kind of team, but I want to encourage you to pay attention to the lamp of God. Pay attention to your spiritual life, amen, and take those times and take those moments that you need to continue to see you that your lamp is burning and burning bright, all right? 
1 Corinthians 2 and 10, it said, But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. Jesus said, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, He shall teach you all things. In John 15, the spirit of truth, he shall testify of me, right? John 16 and 13, he shall guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, he shall glorify me. Amen. This is the reason that it's important for us to have this precious gift working in our lives. Why? Because he comforts us. He gives, tells us the truth. He testifies of Jesus, right? And he guides us in truth and doesn't speak of himself, but glorifies God. It was to be clean oil, void of impurities. Beaten means to be made in, uh, not in a regular olive press, but it was made by hand. It was crushed and beaten down. Oil was used in the in the uh, offering, meal offering. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Leviticus. I want to take time to look at this real quick. Leviticus, because how many of you have heard that when you get saved, you get it all? You get it all. Hallelujah. I want to show you even in the Old Testament, it shows us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second work of grace in our lives. In Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, But if your offering is a grain offering, bake in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, and mixed with oil. Right? That is a picture of salvation. We are saved because the, unless the Spirit draws us. Right? We can't even come to the Lord. But he says that oil is that that is mixed with the, the bread, unleavened bread. And speaks of salvation. But in verse 6, And you shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. And it is the grain offering. This is a representation. Verse 5 is a representation of salvation. Verse 6 is a representation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit being poured upon us. Right? Applied to our lives. And so we see this and we come to an understanding and, and what I, you know, I don't get into theology and all this kind of discourse. I just want people to know truth. It don't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what the Word of God says. And the Word of God teaches us that there is a second definite work, a man at work in our lives after consequent to after that of salvation that the Holy Spirit comes and is poured upon us, abides within us, right? And so if it's good for uh, 
that those in the Bible days, if it's good for Jesus, then I want it. In Joel 2 and 28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Amen. Oil was used for clean, cleansing of the leopard who was experienced, who experienced healing. Leprosy is a type of sin, right? This uh, ceremony is a ceremony of salvation. The leopard who was healed was restored and anointed. And the first, he offered up a sacrifice, and it was a sprinkling of the blood, right? Leviticus chapter 14. Y'all walking with me? If we're getting bored, we can just go Dairy Queen. All right, watch this, because this is powerful right here. I'm showing you that there is salvation, but there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A second work, okay? I showed you that in Leviticus chapter uh, uh, 2 here, that he said that there's oil in it, and then you pour oil on it. But then let's look here at Leviticus chapter 14, because here's another type, and you can study this out later. But the, uh, the priest, when he was... Uh, ceremonially clean it was a a picture of salvation and he had to do something he had to take blood and sprinkle it upon himself right Leviticus chapter 14 verses 1 through 32 the blood was placed upon the tip of his right ear it was upon his thumb of his right hand and upon uh, his great toe of his right foot then Leviticus 14 tells us justification or forgiveness. The blood must be applied uh, for salvation. But then the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes when the priest would take and pour oil on his left hand, dip it, his finger in it, and apply it everywhere the blood had been applied. He would apply it to his ear. He would apply it to his thumb. He would apply it to his uh, big toe. He would apply it everywhere the blood had been applied. Why? Because this is a picture for us that there is salvation, but there is also something else at work. And this is the oil of the Holy Spirit that is a being applied to our sanctified soul. Hallelujah. The priest took all of the uh, remaining oil left in his hand and he poured it upon the head of the one that was being cleansed. This represents the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some people are satisfied with enough to just, you know, they're satisfied with their, the blood on their ear. They're satisfied with their hands being cleansed their, or their feet being cleansed, right? But there's others that he said that, and you know, and I'm not against folk. If we're, if we're for Jesus, then I'm with you, right? All right. Two of us are. Right. But I know there's more. 
And what is more is the baptism of the Holy Spirit where that it is symbolic that he not only puts where the blood has been applied, but now he pours the remaining on top of this one that has been cleansed head representing a cleansing or a baptism or immersion of baptism. Amen. And Jesus teaches us this. He shows us this even in the Old Testament. That he, and then he come, Jesus comes and tells us that uh, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I will send you another comforter. Amen. And he, and he's going, and John said that uh, I'm not he, but there's one mightier than I who is coming. And in whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. But he said, he's not just going to baptize you in water, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. The oil symbolizes God's anointing upon his servants. Moses poured of uh, the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him and sanctified him. Moses anointed the altar and all the vessels, both the laver and his feet, uh, foot, uh, to sanctify them. The oil was applied only to those who were uh, to be consecrated for God's service. Thou shalt anoint them, Exodus 28 and 41, thou shalt anoint them and uh, consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. Right? He who served God were to be anointed. The priests were anointed. Moses was commanded to anoint Aaron, thy brother, and his uh, sons. Priests were anointed so that they could serve. It wasn't so they could get on TBN. It wasn't so they could be superstar. It was so they could be servant. Come on, somebody. And how many know you got to be anointed to serve? If you don't have the anointing, you'll slap somebody. Come on. If you're not anointed, that flesh will rise up and, and you'll get ugly quick, fast, and in a hurry. But the anointing is there for you to serve and serve with joy. We're not trying to merit something. We're not trying to do something to get something. But out of our relationship, because we're anointed, we are with joy serve the people of God. Amen. And so it's a joy for the, the teams that we have to minister. It's a joy uh, to serve the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a joy to serve in the kingdom of God. And why do we enjoy it? Because we're anointed to do it. Amen. Amen. If you expect uh, the Holy Spirit to remain in your life, then you must live holy. The prophets were anointed. 1 Kings 19 and verse 16. And Elisha shalt thou anoint to be the prophet in your place. Right? And so it shows us that the prophets were anointed. To serve. Not only were the prophets anointed, but the kings were anointed. Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 10, 
Then Samuel took the vial of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be a captain over his inheritance. And David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. The king were called the anointed of the Lord. In 1 Samuel 24, this meant increased honor and increased responsibility. Increased honor, but also increased responsibility. And when Saul and David had sinned, God did not simply rebuke them, but he reminded them both, I have anointed you king. This is my anointing that's upon your life. You see, the anointing is not to be taken lightly. Samson wasn't serious with the anointing, right? And not only did he lose the anointing, he lost his life. We must remain humble under the anointing. Have you ever seen people, and I'll just throw this out there to you. You probably haven't ever seen it, but just in case. Have you ever seen people that are anointed, but they're so arrogant you can't accept the message? It happens. It's true. I've sat there, and I'll I'll be honest, because I've sat there, and uh, you know, and, and it'd be it'd be a word from the Lord, but yet I just couldn't receive it because of the attitude. We have to stay humble under the anointing. Know that it's God that has exalted us, and it is God that can bring us down. Amen. And uh, it's like Granddad, you know, he didn't he didn't uh, speak in King James. But he did have some wise proverbs. And he said, a pat on the back is only 18 inches from a kick in the seat of the pants. Amen. And so, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Amen. First Samuel 10, it was Samuel who poured oil, but he said, the Lord hath anointed thee. Right? He said, it's, it, I, I know I'm anointing you. I'm pouring this oil, but it's God that has anointed you. In Acts, 10 and ver, or Acts 13 and 2, and the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. What for? For the anointing. Samuel thought he could recognize the anointing because of the person's stature or what they looked like. Amen. But I'm, th- I'm thankful for a seasoned prophet. I'm thankful for a seasoned uh, priest that stood there and said, you know, and Samuel, even though he looked and he, and he thought he saw what he was come looking for, the Spirit of the Lord would speak to him, right? And say, this is not him. And then he would continue on. How many know that if that was you and I, that maybe you would have had the uh, uh, thought that, Whenever all of these others had passed by and this was the last one you've seen, you just said, well, we better anoint him or they're going to think we messed up. Huh? They're going to think we got to the wrong house. Because this wasn't, if you read the story, this wasn't just over there at Jesse's house. 
he invited all of the family. He invited all the people as he came through that town were there for this anointing. Everybody in the town was there. But I'm thankful that this seasoned priest, you know, he, he, did, he said, now, if this is all that you have, then I'm going to come back in nine months. Right? Because I know this, what I see here is not what God has sent me for. And so if this is all you got, you and the missus get busy in nine months, I'm coming back here. Amen. But none of these are the right ones. And that's when David came to their attention, right? And he said, we got one left. He's a little shepherd boy over there in the field, but he is, he, he's too young. He's this, he's that. And he said, I'm not going to sit down till you get him here. Sometimes we miss the anointing. Come on. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will come to do a work in our lives and we think, well, we're underqualified. We don't have this talent. We don't have this ability. And God's saying, I don't ask you for all of that. I'm asking you to just cleanse your hands, to purify yourself, humble yourself before me, and the Holy Spirit will be poured upon your life and you will do great things for the kingdom. Amen. Divine enablement accompanies the Holy Ghost. Amen. What does that mean? That means you can do with the Holy Spirit what you couldn't do on your own. He gives you divine empowerment. How many know that, that Samson could never pull down the, 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 uh, that house that day? He couldn't have pulled the gates off of the city. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. How many know David couldn't, you know, he's a, a young man. He couldn't go killing a lion and a bear with his hands. But the Bible said that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And they gave him divine enablement, divine power. And that's the reason why you don't have to fear no enemy. You don't have to fear no devil. You don't have to fear no terrorist. Because God gives you divine empowerment. And then the greater one lives on the inside of you and causes you to be an overcomer in every situation. Amen. Amen. Let's look at the New Testament anointing and then we'll go home. Is that all right? The anointing is promised to come to deliver us. In the Hebrew, it means Christ. It means the same in the Greek. The anointed one. Right? Isaiah 11 and 1 through 5, And there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse, the branch shall grow out of its roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. In Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to set at captive those who are captive, right? That he is to come and to free them and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So the anointing has come upon him. He's the anointed one. He is the shadow and the type. He is the firstborn of many brethren. He is to show us what we should be doing right now. 
And some people say, well, pastor, that's sacrilegious. No, that's the Bible. Amen. That's the Bible. What Jesus did, we should be doing. Amen. Why? Because he's the anointed one. The anointing was upon him to do the work of the Father. The anointing has come in, the, in that of the person of the Holy Spirit to come to abide in us and upon us so we can be the anointed one. That we can go about and be the witness that people will see our good works and glorify the Father. That people will, the anointing upon our lives, that we can pray for that one that is oppressed and speak deliverance into their life. That we can declare healing into their bodies. That we can declare the good news, right? What is the good news to that one that is in poverty? It is that God is our provider. Amen. For the one who is sick, it is God is our healer. For that one that is in bondage, that he is a deliverer and a way maker. Amen. And so that anointing has come upon us and has been released to us in this last day so that we continue to do the works that Jesus done while he was here on the earth. Amen. Jesus is anointed as the high priest in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. We have a great high priest that in past into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. The anointed of the high priest symbolized Jesus. The anointing of the high priest's son represents you and I. Amen. It represents you and I in the world today. Jesus is anointed as a prophet. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he hath anointed me to preach, right? And so preach to prophesy. And so Jesus was anointed to be the pro- to prophesy or to be a prophet. Acts 10 and 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus was anointed as the king in Isaiah 9 and 7. Upon the throne of David, he shall reign. Amen. We are also prophets. We speak the word of God. We are priests. We intercede for men. And we are also kings. We reign in this life. Amen. So we operate just like Jesus did as prophet, priest, and king. We also should operate in that place. Why? Because we have been anointed to do it. You've been anointed to do it. I'm going to talk you into it before you leave tonight. You've been anointed to be a prophet, a priest, and a king. And to operate in this anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is the reason that it has come. So that we can do what we could not do without it. Amen. It isn't just so you can feel good. It'll make you feel good. But that's just a secondary consequence. To experience in the presence of God. But that's not the reason for it. Some people, you know, may feel chill bumps. They say, I feel chill bumps. Other people say, I got hot. And other people, you know, uh, they fall out. Right? 
There's all kinds. Your body, when you get under the presence of God, there will be manifestations. Amen? But that's just the the secondary consequence of it. But he has come upon you to do something. He has come upon you. He is living in you. Not just so you can overcome yourself, but so you can speak deliverance to others. So that you can heal others. So that you can encourage others. So that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. And so he said that he has made us more than conquerors. Amen. And so more to conquer would be for you to live victorious. But for you to be more than a conqueror, it would be to help somebody else to live victorious. Amen. And so this anointing has come upon us and lives in us so that we may be able to minister to others as well. The anointing oil of God is flowing. Amen. I know that uh, some people have, um, well, I can't say they do it anymore because I haven't seen too many receiving the Holy Spirit, but I can tell you this, you don't have to wait for it. You don't have to tarry. That was before Pentecost. But on this side of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is now here. And it's for the believer to receive. Amen? And so all we have to do is have a receptive heart and yield to the Holy Spirit, just like we yielded to Uh, Jesus being Savior and Lord of our lives, we yield to the Holy Spirit and He comes and He begins to dwell on the inside of us. And He's flowing now. In Acts 2, 17, and and it shall come to pass in these last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. How many believe we're in the last days? In June... Renee and I will be blessed to, to have been pastoring, senior pastor here for four years. I don't think that anybody can say that they've heard me preach gloom and doom. But I am real. And I told you a few months ago when we heard of this shooting up there that I heard the Spirit say, this isn't the last, it's going to get worse. And we're going to have to deal with this more and more. And we've seen what happened in Boston. I'm not saying that to say, look at me. I'm just saying we need the Holy Spirit. Because we're living in a wicked world. And we're in the midst of troubled times. And I don't know about you. Maybe you can handle it. But I need the Holy Spirit to give me some wisdom. I need him to give me direction. And not only me, but I want to help others that they can see the real Jesus. Amen. Muhammad didn't do anything. Krishna didn't do anything. 
right? It was Jesus that died, was buried, was resurrected, and went back to sit at the right hand of the Father so you and I can have life and have it more abundantly here in the earth. Amen. But the voice of the church has become silent. And the false prophet has risen. And truth lays dead in the street. Prophecy is being fulfilled. And there must be a voice that will rise up. And we will never, the voice will never rise from the church unless we receive the power to be speaking the voice, declare the voice. And say, thus saith the Lord. Amen. And so, I just want you to think on these things. I'll be talking about this the next little bit. But I just want you to concentrate on these things. The Holy Spirit's just been challenging me and pushing on me uh, the last three weeks. I just felt like I really need to push on this. And I'll be doing so as well in our Sunday services in a couple of weeks. Uh, But we really need the Holy Spirit. If you have it, make sure your lamp's full. If you don't have this helper, receive it. Don't be afraid of it. Don't back down from it. Don't, Don't be, you know, embarrassed or whatever. You know, I know we've done some crazy things. But it doesn't stop the power of God from being real. And this gift of the Holy Spirit from being real. And I, it's my desire that everybody, everyone receive this precious gift. Because I know how important it is in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that alright tonight? Okay. Can we just stand and just... Um, Let's just do a couple of things here tonight. I want to pray for our country. I don't... Um, use the social media a whole lot, use it more for church, reaching out to our community than anything else, but uh, every once in a while I just get stirred and I just have to (laughs) express myself. The other week I said on there, the problem with the American church is that they wouldn't know, they don't know the difference between the power of God and a performance. They don't know the presence of God in somebody that's just highly charisma, charismatic. And we've got to get back to where we know the presence of God. We've got to get back to a place where the Holy Spirit is our best friend. And we know him because he lives in us and dwells in us. 
I don't say those things to get people stirred. I say those things because it's true. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in every area, in every aspect of our church, in every aspect of our lives. I want us to pray for our nation. I want us to pray for our president. I want us to pray for those in Boston and those all really not. It isn't just Boston. People all over America and the world is there. Terrorism just comes to try to bring fear. I may know the fears of the devil. Amen. So we just speak against that tonight. And then I just want to encourage you tonight. Just ask the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, just ask him to be rekindled and refreshed in your life. If you don't, ask him to come in. Fill your life full. And as you do tonight, he will do that for you. Amen. Father, we just thank you for the great nation of America. God, we're concerned. God, of the lack of morals. God, we know that judgment looms upon us. Let's pray, God, tonight that you would turn our hearts back towards you. We pray for our president. We pray for his salvation. We pray, God, that you would touch his heart and his life, turn his heart towards you. You said the heart of the king is in your hand. I pray tonight, God, that you would turn his heart towards you. I pray, Father God, that you would touch our land again. I pray, God, that you would minister to those who have been affected by this meaningless act, terrorism. I pray, God, that you would touch those who have lost children and lost family members that are breathing and suffering tonight. God, I pray that you would touch them with your love and show them that it's not of you, but it is of the enemy. Pray, God, that you would touch our land again. Touch not only, God, the world, but touch the church. Give us a hunger for the things of God. Stir our hearts, God, for what stirs yours. God calls us to be passionate about what you're passionate about. Allow your presence to touch us. Let the Holy Spirit, God, ignite in our lives. Let it be ablaze within us. Help us, God, that we would be aware, God, of the the fresh, genuine oil versus that that's the counterfeit. Let our hearts be pure towards you and allow your presence to be fresh and new every day in our lives. God, we give you praise and we give you thanks for this. We thank you that out of the ashes rises a church that is strong and mighty in America. God, that you will revisit us again with your power and with a spirit of revival that will spring forth out of this glooming darkness that is around about us. Let us rise as a mighty army. Let us be filled with your spirit. Let us do all, be all, and accomplish all that you have set for us to do. God, we give you the praise and the glory for it in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We bless you, Father. We praise you today. God, I pray for everyone that is here, and I pray for all of our ministry teams, even those who may not be here. God, that may be tired, may be weary, and God, serving has become a job for them. I pray, Lord, that you will baptize them fresh with your joy and with your spirit, that God, that serving will become a joy again in their life. Lord, like the first day that they serve, the first day that they minister, I pray, God, that that freshness will rest upon them again and you will stir them again, God, with that excitement to be able to change other people's lives. God, we give you praise and thanks for this tonight. In the matchless name of Jesus, hallelujah.